What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Flipping It, the podcast all about reselling. This is episode number 36. Back again with a very special guest. Uh, last time he was on the, episode, or on the podcast was episode four, uh, back in February. So it's been a while. Um, so it's Andrew Georgie. Andrew Georgie does dropshipping, a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so how are you doing today, Andrew? Dude, doing really well. And it's kind of crazy, to be honest with you, that it's been since February. Like, that's a fat minute ago. So it's good to be back on here and we got more knowledge to give. So this is going to be great. I'm really excited. No cap. Yeah. So last time you were on, uh, we talked all about books. Like, books was the thing we uh, talked about. Um, and now we're back with dropshipping. So um, now you kind of moved on from books. So uh, what was the reason you moved on from books? Dude, the labor was way too much, man. It was way too, uh, way too labor intensive. Um, just the amount of work for the amount of pay that you're doing and then to actually scale that into making it a business to where I can actually make full-time income on it uh, was just too much. Um, it's not worth what it, the work that you do. Um, in my opinion, now that may vary to others if they really want to do it and continue that and like, you know, go from, you know, doing it not on the side, but uh, all by themselves to scaling it with full on like independent contractors and things like that. And that's on them. Um, but that's for me, that's, that's exactly why I left was because there's a lot more that gets involved into it once you start scaling it and hiring people. And I just thought that I was like, there's gotta be another business model that I could do that would be way more like, it would be less strenuous, not, not just on labor, but also like way easier to deal with taxes wise. And that's when I found dropshipping. Yeah. And so how did you kind of like get into dropshipping from the beginning? No lie, I've been doing dropship. Okay, I did dropshipping since books. Okay, so while I was doing books, I was tampering with dropshipping uh, on eBay uh, during that during that time. But I didn't put all of my time into it. I was kind of like 50-50, half pregnant, if you want to say, because mm -hmm. I was doing books and I was doing dropshipping. So of course, the dropshipping business didn't scale due to the fact that I wasn't putting all my time into it, and um, I kind of just like let it go and like I didn't really do anything else with it. And then, um, then when I came back to it, that then it was really game on. I put all my time and all of my effort into it. And that's when I started to see actual growth and like I actually seen the potential of what the business model could be um, and not just as, aside from what everybody else shows on the internet like I seen for myself that I was actually growing the business so I was like okay yeah it was the smart move to just put all my time into it you know mm -hmm. and just for anyone who doesn't know could you just give like a brief explanation of what dropshipping is and what you do like on a day-to-day -day basis yeah yeah that's actually a really good question so dropshipping in general is dropshipping is just you put you list the item on either Amazon or eBay uh, and you mark up the price and then when someone orders it from you you do not okay now you do not have the product ever in hand um, when someone orders that product that you listed you will then go to the supplier's website whether it be Home Depot Walmart or whatever the case is and then you go ahead and you order that item and when you order it you order it and ship it to their address but you use the billing address as your address so that way the that that way like it doesn't get billed to them either um, and they just get the item. Uh, and that, that's, that's dropshipping in a nutshell. Like that's the most simple synopsis I can give you for it. And, um, it's something that a lot of people don't really like, like when they hear it, they're like, yeah, there's gotta be some, there's gotta be other things that go into it or whatever. It's really that, that is very, it's very simple. Um, obviously there's more things that go into it, but that's like, that is the synopsis of what dropshipping is. And that's why it's so lucrative to people because you never, ever, ever hold product. Now, what I do on a daily basis at the beginning, when you actually start the business is a lot more um, time. What's the word I'm looking for? Like it takes more of your time than it does um, at towards like the middle and end when you're actually, uh, when you've actually already kind of built a foundation. Um, so at the beginning, when you're on a day-to-day -day basis, when you start dropshipping, what you're going to be doing is 
a lot of product research. You're going to be getting all, you're going to be learning all these processes that you need to do in order for the business to run and function. And then you're going to start executing on those processes, which will give you the end result of sales, right? So you're going to just, at the beginning, it's doing a lot of product research, um, listing a lot of products, fulfilling your orders, um, dealing with customer service, a lot of the main uh, things that actually make the business a business and actually allow it to be a, a functioning fully operated business that's what you're doing at the beginning um, but once you actually get past that point and you and you have made your processes very efficient you now like it's like you've already like taken you know all the little glitches in walmart and home depot and how to get around everything that kind of like comes your way all these small roadblocks these things are going to come up because it's your first time doing it and not only is it your first time doing it, but now you're having to figure out how to get around them. Once you, once you have all of that taken care of and you, you know how to get around all the little bugs and you just have everything down as, as, and you can do it as fast as you can without making it any shorter and more efficient, then that's when you start to outsource the, the work. Um, so for instance, if you want to hire somebody, uh, a virtual assistant to um, do product research and list the products for you now that, and that can take a lot of time, bro. Like that takes like, Dude, mm -hmm. I easily spent four hours a day doing that shit. So like now that you get to, that frees up four hours, bro. So now four hours is you get to do whatever, build the business like from the back. Like you're actually getting to build it at that point. So that is the day-to-day -day in the beginning. That's what you're going to be doing a lot of. You're not going to be able to build spreadsheets. You're not going to be able to do things like that yet because you're, you're just trying to get the business to even fully function and make money. Um, so then after that, uh, this is a long answer, but this, I kind of want to give it to two. I kind of want to give you both perspectives. Mm -hmm. And the second, the second part is, is once you actually have virtual assistants and you have people that are working for you and doing all the mundane tasks that take a shit ton of time, then it's all about actually building the business on the back end and actually running it. So what do I mean by that? Right? Like I, I overcheck my metrics every single day. You start to now mind you, you're, you're going to need to be doing these things every, like every day at the beginning too, but you're more so focused on just getting items in your store and, and, and fulfilling orders and doing all that. You get a little bit of time to actually, you know, deal with cases and um, check metrics and really check into how, to, how can you prevent things from happening to hurt your account, how you can prevent cases from coming up and things like that. But you're not getting to spend all the time on it in the beginning because you're doing all the work that takes four to six hours just to do in general. Um, so once you get past that point and you have virtual assistants, that's when the real fun happens to me in my, in my perspective, just because I love, I love actually being able to build it from the back end, right? Um, you get to build out spreadsheets that um, help you uh, track profits, help you break down your cost of goods, help you break down like all your fees. That's when that starts up, that start uh, stuff starts to come into play and you can then put time towards that. So that four hours that you just outsource, now you can be four hours of, okay, the, now, okay, so then you can look at your business and you can say, okay, we're, we're getting some, like, customers are opening cases because of, let's just say, um, one, one supplier you're using, like, their customers are having issues saying that they're not getting the item. Okay, now instead, now I have time, I can, like, dig into that. We can then prevent that shit from happening again, mm -hmm. whether that be remove the supplier or whatever the case is. That's where you get to actually you know, have fun and, and, and actually strategize and build the business. And that's what it is on a day-to-day -day basis after you get in, after you get virtual assistance. You're just building things. You're, you're, what I like to say in, in like the synopsis is you get to make the business more efficient and run smoothly. 
that's what you're doing once you outsource things. So that's that's on the on the day to day after you have a, after you have employees, it's just making the business run as efficient as possible. And you know whether that be creating spreadsheets, whether that be um, you know tweaking the processes that you now have your virtual assistants do. Um, because now you can see things from a third point uh, from like a third point perspective, right? You can you can look at the virtual assistant doing the process, analyze the process, and then you can be like, you know what? Actually, the process I, this is the process that I gave him, but I think it could go a lot more efficiently and run a lot smoother if I take this part out and replace it with this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That so makes you, sense. you you don't you don't get to do that in the beginning because you're actually having to do it, and when you're doing it, yeah, it seems like you you would think. Oh, I can make it more efficient just by doing it. Yes, but no, because you still have to get you have to do it in order for the business to run. Um, so yeah, that's that's the day to day at the beginning when you're first starting, and then it's also a day to day after you have virtual assistants, after you you know have gotten the processes efficient and things of that nature. You know. Yeah. So I want to take it back kind of to the beginning uh, when you're first starting out. How do you even like come across finding an item that you can sell? Okay, so what you what you want to do is you want to create criteria first things first for beginners, right? That, that's a good question because it's a lot of that's it's it's something that beginners don't understand, right? So what you what you want to do is, is you want to create criteria that would consider an item worth putting on your store. Mm -hmm. So for instance, I'll tell you my criteria right off the rip. Um, so if I'm on eBay, right, and I and I know you can okay so for instance let, let me break it down even some more simple for this. Um, mainstays. Mainstays is a brand that we know is only sold by Walmart, right? So if we go to main, if we type in mainstays on eBay, anything that mainstays comes up with is going to be drop shipped. Why? Because nobody owns mainstays but Walmart. So it's a clear indicator on someone who's drop shipping items. So what you will do is, is you will then click on that seller. Usually another dead giveaway for your viewers and people who are listening, um, a dead giveaway is when they're using a lot of stock images. Um, when they have a brand like that or like Husky from Home Depot, that's a brand that only Home Depot uses. And if you type that in and then you see a seller selling that item and on top of that, he has stock images, it's a very clear indicator that they're probably drop shipping that item. So then what I would do is I would go to that seller and I would say, okay, I would, I would look at their item and I'd say, okay, let's, let's look at the stats and see what the item is actually, how it's performing. Let's say it's sold six times in the past 30 days. My criteria is it has to sell four times in the past 30 days, okay? And, and it has to be coming from a dropshipper. So we met those two criteria, right? So then what, then you're like, okay, well, how do, how do I source the item? Okay. If, if it's not like a brand name that I know is only coming from certain stores. So what you could do is, is you can, there's four ways to backtrack an item to find the supplier. The first way is you can reverse search the title of the item on eBay. So what that means is you just copy the title and you put it in Google. And it'll come up with a bunch of different results. And usually it's in the first page where you can find the supplier. Second way is you can reverse Google search the image. So if you right click the, the product image and then hit search on Google, it'll bring up the item. Next is you can look in the item specifics and there will be a UPC code there sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes there'll be a UPC code. You can reverse search that UPC code um, and that will, and Google as well. And that will give you a better like you know uh, outcome or results for the item why because the upc code is like it's it's tied to that item right so that's why i like i like to use upc codes um and also the last thing is is an mpn which is a manufacturer's product number okay and that is also just like a upc if you find the, like that would be the first go-to so to go to those two the upc and then the manufacturer's product number or mpn so you would reverse search those in google and then when you say, for instance, it's a Husky item, and then we reverse search the name and you see it's on Home Depot. 
So then you click on the Home Depot link and the only criteria that I have for Home Depot or Walmart or anything like that, like universally on suppliers that I'm going to source the item from, is it's gotta be above three and a half stars, okay? Mm. Now why? Like people would might like overlook that and think that that's kind of like a silly like rule or criteria, but you wanna do that for a specific reason of, dude, if you're buying items from Home Depot and it's a two star item, that means a lot of complaints are getting put on that item and, you, and that means that you have a higher chance of having your customer deal with a deal with some BS that you don't want to have them deal with. And then that makes an unhappy customer. And, you know, so that's why I look at the, I look at the stars and the reviews on the actual supplier site. Um, and it has to be above three and a half stars for me. And then you can then make other criteria, like for instance, on Home Depot, right? It's free shipping after $45 and up on home and Walmart, it's $35 and up. So like on places like that, I like to u utilize their, their cutoff for their free shipping. And then I will look at that as well and kind of make that criteria. Um, and then another thing I, I know I'm talking a lot, but the one last thing that I really want to kind of like hint to people and tell people is that it's not really worth um, drop shipping items on eBay that are less than $50 because it's not, to me, it's not worth my time or my money. Uh, it's not going to make me a lot of money. Um, not only that, but the item, if it's a lower ticket item, like $50 or under, it has a higher chance of being sold out because people will buy items under $50 on, you know, websites like Walmart and Home Depot, but they're not going to buy items that are like 80, 90 up on, on Home Depot, Walmart, or any other supplier. You know what I'm saying? Does, does that make sense too? Like why I would do that? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So okay. you go, what I'm kind of getting is you go to a dropshippers page. Uh, you mm -hmm. search their items and then you reverse search it to find where you can buy it from. Correct. And you only reverse search it if it's meeting your criteria, meaning mm -hmm. if it's selling four times a month and you know, it's being drop shipped. Once <laughs> you find, once you find the seller, bro, like once you find a seller that is a drop shipper, it's all about just finding, like finding items that are selling four times enough. Um, and yeah. Zeke analytics, I know I'm getting kind of ahead of myself, but Zeke yeah, analytics will help you out this. with that. Yeah, this is, so this kind of like leads into the next topic, right? Is like, okay, well, how can I do this process faster without having to manually go through the seller's store, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's a tool called Zeek Analytics, Z-I-K space analytics. And what you can, what that tool does, it, it does a lot of things actually, but the main thing that eBay dropshippers are wanting it for is because you can type, so once you find, um, once you find dropshippers on eBay or sellers that are dropshipping items, right? my recommendation for beginners you guys need to make a list of these sellers you need to have a google sheet that you literally specifically put sellers in that are actual drop shippers and you need to check them on a weekly basis i i'm telling you that because that's literally what i'm having my virtual assistants do for me on a weekly basis and not only that but at the beginning when you're building that sellers list you're checking them but then you can hand that off to the virtual assistant when you hire one and then it's all for them to do and check on a weekly basis. And then they have a really good foundation of sellers that they can like look at and on a weekly basis and get more items. So they're not having to do as much random research. It's all coming from dropshippers that are doing the work for you. Now you're just kind of like, you know, you're kind of piggybacking off them. Um, so that's one thing, a, a side tip that I would 100% do if you're beginning this, create a sellers list. And then, you know, you can run those sellers through Zeek Analytics. So there's a tab on Zeek Analytics where what you can do is you can input their name and then you hit run. And what it will do is it will reverse the entire store. It will give you all of the items that they're selling. Uh, and first off, it'll give you a bunch of stats on their store, like their sell-through percentage, excuse me, how many items they're selling, how many items they have on their store, um, how much money they've made in the last 30 days, uh, 14 days. You can set like 
when you when you type in that seller's name or you copy and paste it into the Z into Zeek Analytics, you can choose whether you want to you want to run data on the past seven days, 14, 21, or 30, right? And then it'll give you all the stats based on that. And then on top of that, it gives you all of their items. It tells you when they listed the item. It tells you how many times it's sold in the past either 30 days uh, or whatever you choose, right? It'll tell you that. And then it'll tell you how many times that item has sold overall. Um, and then that, that makes the process 10,000 times easier because you don't have to manually do anything anymore. You know what I'm saying? That's huge. Yeah, it just basically speeds up the process and you can see whether or not that item meets your criteria or not. A hundred percent. And you can filter it too. You can add filters like it has to sell four times. Like you can eliminate the items via filters that haven't sold more than four times in the last 30 days. It's so simple, my man. And um, it's super, super, super easy. It makes the process a lot easier. I believe the beginning package for Zeek Analytics is $29.99 a month. Um, and that's for one, it allows one user on the account. And then I know the next one, and, and it allows you to do all the basic things on Zeek Analytics. Um, mm -hmm. And then the next one is, which is the one I use, it's $59.99 a month. And that allows three users, because I have three virtual assistants that I want to have access to that account. Um, and then it gives you like Zeek Pro and all this other, you know, all the other goods. But like, I mainly, I mainly say that just because you, so that way, like if someone is listening to this and they're, they have the capital to hire virtual assistants from the get, um, you can, you can use Zeek Analytics 5999 plan, which will then allow you to have multiple people on that account at once and running it, you know? Yeah. So besides that, what do you, what would you recommend someone if they're just getting started to have, uh, besides that? Zeek Analytics and a eBay basic store account, which is $27.99 a month, I believe, uh, for the eBay store, which that allows you to list 250 items free of charge, uh, because eBay usually has like a listing fee of like 30 cents. Um, and I know that after 250 items a month, it goes to like 25 cents an item that you list, but regardless, $27.99 a month or $27.95 a month for the basic store on eBay. Um, and then also what that will do, I, I'm, let me, let me just explain the last thing real quick. <laughs> the last thing that you'll need is Zeke Analytics and that's $29.99 a month. So you're looking at like a 50, $55 overhead, which is ridiculously cheap for someone who's just starting a business. Like you don't, you would also... I'm sorry, you would also want to have like a, a business entity. You would want to get tax exempt. So that way you can actually like make more profit. If you're not tax exempt, you're not going to be able to make money or compete with anybody who is drop shipping on eBay. Why? Because if you're paying 10% taxes on an item that costs hundred dollars, that's, that's $10 tax. That's $10 you're paying in taxes. If you didn't have to pay that taxes, you would then have $10 that gets to go in your pocket for profit. You see what I'm saying? So, um, and that varies. Like I can't, I'm not going to get too much into business like entities and all of that stuff in this episode, but just if you guys are wondering how to start a business entity in your state, just type in, how do I start, how do I register or start a business entity in, and fill in the blank, whatever state you're living in at the time and, you know, start being resourceful, go from there and then start doing some research, go on YouTube, do the same thing and get some information. And then you can, you can figure it out. You know what I'm saying? I did the same thing and that's how I figured out how to do it for myself. Yeah. That's what I would recommend, bro. That's, that's hundred percent what I would recommend. Yeah. So yeah, that's great recommendation. Definitely want to do that. Cause then you're making more money. Of course it's correct. Pre it seems pretty simple. Yeah. Uh, another thing is what are like some of the issues that you run into, especially early on, um, that you, uh, with drop shipping that you came across? Oh, okay. Um, okay. So early on, okay. If you're not, okay. So I told you the things that you would want to have right at the beginning, right? Mm -hmm. One of those things that you, I didn't mention that could cause issues, which I'm going to tell you how to avoid, um, is, is you're going to have a problem people. And a lot of people are going to say two things. One, um, how do, what if my item goes out of stock? 
Okay. Mm. That's, that's very much so possible. Now there is an application called ski grid that is very, very in depth. It's very like advanced as far as like, I can't explain it all on here and how it works, but it pretty much will track the items in and out of stock for you. You know what I'm saying? Um, so if you're not going to get that, and I don't honestly don't recommend it until you start going over 50 items in your store. Um, you can, you, you need to be checking every day that your items are in and out of stock. You need to be checking them at least in the morning and at night. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a problem that you can have. Second problem, price changes. Um, skew grid also takes care of the price changes and will adjust your price accordingly. Um, based on the profit formula that you set and like the profit margins you want to make. Um, that's another thing that you're going to want to be checking on a daily basis. Um, because that could be a issue that you could also run into. Um, another thing that people think is an issue that I do want to talk about that isn't is do not worry about the fact that you're drop shipping an item from Walmart and people are going to be like, Oh, like, don't worry about people saying like, like, Oh my God, your item came from Walmart. Like I'm so mad. I'm going to leave you bad review X, Y, Z. Like, no, that's not going to happen. I've done over $200,000 in sales on, on combined on both platforms, Amazon and eBay. And I've not gotten one bad review for a product coming from a supplier like Home Depot or Walmart. Now, mind you, for, for, for eBay dropshipping, I use Walmart, Home Depot, Webstaurant, and Sportsman's Guide. And on Amazon, I use Home Depot. So these are all suppliers that, you know, they're very, besides Webstaurant and, and Sportsman's Guide, like Home, Home Depot and Walmart are so well known. And like there's, you know, they sometimes Walmart will ship in a box that it has the Walmart logo on it. It's like people will not care. Like my opinion, people won't care as long as they're getting exactly what they paid for. They're not going to care where it comes from. So that's another thing that I want to talk about. Um, but other than that, off the top of my head, man, if, if other, if other problems come up, I'll definitely let you know that I think of, that I can think of, but right now, those are the main three things that I want to stress to beginners, like that are huge. Yeah, that seems fair. Uh, what are, uh, like some of the issues you said you open claims, what are some of the reasons oh. that buyers are opening claims? Because they're not receiving their item. Um, so for instance, uh, th that's like the main one, right? Um, it's, it's called INR cases, which means INR stands for item not received. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm actually gonna make a video on this, but the item not received cases are just something that you're going to want to be aware of because of the fact that sometimes an item will take a little bit longer. Say it has a shipment delay, right? In Walmart, will let you know, and Home Depot, they'll let you know when there's going to be delay in your shipment. So say that the item doesn't come in on time. Okay. Then now the, and it wasn't your actual fault. You didn't place the order late or anything like that, you know? So anyways, um, how you can go about it is every time. And like, this is what I'm going to put in the video, right? Um, you can prevent that by just simply messaging the customer, be on top of your case, be on, not only be on top of your cases, be on top of the orders. Okay. So if you get an email saying that the order is going to be in late, message the customer, man, tell them that the order is going to come in a little bit late. So that way they don't have, they don't go through like actually filing a claim on their, on, on your, on their order saying that it's the items not received um, because that'll eliminate that. So, but if you don't, or if the customer, or if the customer is just like, you know, some customers are just how they, this is just how they are. They'll just open up a claim anyways, or they'll, they'll open up a case anyways. What I do to handle every case, man, is, is I call eBay and I'm like, yo, like, this is the case. I want you to, I want you, I want to, you explain yourself on like why the case should be closed in your favor. Say like, you know, like, listen, the item is, is getting delayed in the, from the carrier when I shipped it out. Uh, from my warehouse and I say from my warehouse because that's what you want to tell the eBay customer service reps. You want to tell them it's coming from your warehouse and the carrier that or the courier that you're using is having a delay in the shipment. Um, they will, re they, once the item gets received by the customer and the tracking number shows it as delivered, you can then call eBay back 
and then they will remove the case and they will take it down in favor of you because they understand the customer. Some customers are just impatient as shit and they just, you know, that's how they are. Um, and that is how I deal with cases. I never deal with cases off the phone by, by eBay ever. Um, I always call eBay and, um, that, that, what that information I just gave you was information that I learned from the first time I called eBay. Um, they can't do anything with the case until the tracking number shows that it's delivered to that, to their address. And once that is, once that is shown on the tracking number, then you're good to go. You can call them up, explain exactly what happened, and then they can remove it in your favor. You know, does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. And you said that was when the tracking number, so, so it shows that the buyer received the item. Correct. Because if the, if the customer says that the item's not received, you can't win the case without showing, without the tracking number saying that the item is delivered to their house. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah. have you noticed that, do you think eBay sides more with the seller or the buyer more, more often? Uh, they're more willing to, to side with the, with the buyer. Um, okay. more, and when I say that, it's because I'm on Amazon full-time too, and mm-hmm. Amazon will side with the, sell, with the buyer 99.99% of the time eBay is more likely to favor the seller sometimes in most, in most situations, if you're providing the correct information or, you know, you can just show that, that you prove that the customer is, you know, they're, they're just freaking out and they don't want to wait. You know what I'm saying? That they're more willing to side with the, with the buyer. Yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned earlier, a couple other suppliers, you said Walmart, Home Depot, and then a couple other ones um, that I did, yeah. wasn't really familiar with. Uh, could you like go in on depth on what those are and what they do? Yeah. Um, okay. So this is huge too, because this is a lot of information that I paid for, for a eBay course. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of like going against courses and things like that. I want to give everybody all that information for free. Um, so Webstaurant is a huge, huge, huge supplier. If you can get tax exempt with them, you're going to make a lot of fucking money on eBay, dude. Um, now I say that, but Webstaurant's tax exempt process is a pain in the butt. Um, because they want you to actually like, I, like how you file with Home Depot and Walmart is super simple. You just, you upload, a, you upload a couple documents, you fill out some information and then that's, that's really it. But for Webstaurant, they want you to like, they want hand signed documents, um, say like with everything that you're providing saying like, you know, your EIN number is legit. You're, um, you're filling everything out as it needs to be. Like they'll have, they have an actual piece of paper or a PDF that you fill out but they want you to actually sign it. So what you can use is DocuSign and you can go ahead and like, you know, put your signature on there with DocuSign and then upload the, the tax exempt to them. And then the upload that form to them, I'm sorry, that PDF, you send it to them and then that will work as well. So that was weird at first when I ran into that. Cause I was like, I went to my mentor and I was like, dude, like they want you to actually sign this piece of paper and then fax it to them or whatever. Like that's a, what are we in the 19th century? Like, I'm not doing that. Like it's not happening. So yeah, you can just use DocuSign. Um, and Webstaurant is a huge, huge supplier, dude. They have six warehouses around the U S and they're shipping. If you, if say you get an order for a Webstaurant item at seven in the morning and you fulfill that order at 8 AM, you are going to most likely get it shipped out that same day. That's how fast they are. They're huge. They're huge fast with speed. Um, just because also the warehouses they have around the U S and, um, they're, they would be considered like a wholesale slash retailer because they allow you to buy in bulk and they give you a discount when you do buy in bulk, but they also allow you to buy one at a time. Um, so that's also huge. And they sell a lot of, uh, like, like, uh, commercial stuff, right? So, um, bread racks, um, kitchen sinks, um, like kitchen sinks, you would see it if you worked at McDonald's and like, it's a big type of like, like huge 
bowl kitchen sink that you know what i'm saying it's a deep well and like it's it's all like uh steel types it's all like commercial industrial grade stuff um and it's a lot of higher ticket items which we were talking about earlier which is amazing to sell uh and so yeah that that's that's one of them and the second one is sportsman's guide they are a very seasonal based uh, uh supplier but it's nice because they kind of have they have like items for every season um so for instance summer just passed pretty i would consider pretty much just passed mm -hmm. and i was selling a shit ton of boat chairs dude like a ton of boat chairs um they, they're like going out like it was nothing and um they're huge you can also get tax exempt with them it's very easy but you also have to call them up or, or email them and be like hey because they don't take the taxes out when you purchase the item you have to call them up or email and be like hey um, from from order number blank to now, can you please re reimburse me on the taxes that you guys charge me because you know I they don't take it out right away. Um, but they they have a lot of a lot of items that are all year round. I not all year round, but they they have items that will pertain to every season of the year. If that makes sense. So they're huge too. They're very big. So with that tax exempt, do you do that like every month, every week, or how do you do that? I like to do I like to do it every week, um, just because I like to be on top of it, and that's just me. But you can do it however often you want. It's all on it's all on you know the person's preference at that point. Yeah, and so uh, I kind of want to talk about we're talking about like the bigger items you're selling. Uh, like, what kind of yeah. margins are you getting on on a lot of those uh, drop shipping items? It's a good question, man. Okay, so minimum, minimum, like you should be looking at in general. Uh, before I get into what I'm doing and what I'm making margin-wise, for a beginner, like dropshipping is not like I don't know if people, are, if you're listening to this and you're new to dropshipping, what you maybe you know about wholes, maybe you're like you're you know about wholesale and things like that. Wholesale, you get good margins, like twenty to thirty percent margins. Mm -hmm. On dropshipping, in general, you're not going to. And if you're re, if you're thr even fuck, even if you're thrifting, bro, you're gonna get way better margins than ten percent, mm -hmm. right? But Dropshipping is so lucrative, but the margins are not as high, which is why it requires a shit ton of upfront work um, that needs to be done in order for you to scale it, really scale it. But 10% is minimum what you should be looking at. I make anywhere from 15 to 20%. Now, some items that I'm doing, like I make a, I make a consistent 30%, right? And the reason being is because either A, I, I have multi-packed those items, or B, they're, they're items that are coming from Webstrant or or Sportsman's Guide, and it's just not saturated, bro. Like it's 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 crazy. Like there's some items that I make that profit margin on, and I, and I make it consistently, but it's not every item. And I don't want your I don't want anyone who's listening to this at the beginning to think that that is a consistent thing. It's consistent for one item on a supplier that no one uses, but it's not consistent on a Walmart item that's going to be that that will not happen um, unless you're multi-packing or bundling the item that. You're looking at 10 to 20% margins on your items that are coming from Walmart or Home Depot. You can. The reason why I make 15 to 20% is also because I have strategies that I give away on the YouTube channel on bundling and multi-packing, even with Home Depot and Walmart. So you can get those type of 15 to 20% margins on Home Depot and Walmart. And on top of that, it's because I'm using obscure suppliers that no one's really tapped into or used a lot yet if they haven't bought a course. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you're looking at 15 to 20 percent margins um, with the suppliers I'm giving you, and all together collectively. Yeah, that that's pretty. That's still pretty good considering you're not even touching the product at all. You just have to input someone's shipping address. That's what I'm saying, dude. And like, yeah, just scale it from then on out. Like, people will look at the margins and they'll be like, "Oh, dude, 10 percent margin. Oh, dude, 13 percent margin. Bro, scale it. Like, <laughs> yeah, 13 for 13 for 13 dollars out of an 100 dollar order. 
uh, 10 times, you're at $1,300. Like, what are you, are you kidding me? Like, come on now. Yeah, like, you don't have to make touch it. it. You don't have to ship the item. You don't have to do any really work yeah. when it comes to that. Yeah. So it makes sense to me. I, I get it. Uh, um, when it comes to like pricing your items, um, more towards eBay, uh, how do you kind of go about pricing uh, competitively? I don't, I don't care about the price okay. at all. I don't, pri- I don't price it competitively at all. Mm-hmm. I care more about if I'm outdoing the competitors on their listing because, dude, and people will, once I explain this, people are going to be like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. It's true. And why I don't compete with price. I'm going, dude, I'll price the item $5 higher than my competitor. I don't care. The reason being is because there are some people there who feel that, and this is like customer consumer behavior. They will feel that, yo, like if the item's $5 higher, like it may be better quality. It, it may, it may come from, it may come fast. Like you never know what they're thinking, but first thing that comes to a consumer standpoint, $5 more, mm, it might be better quality. Mm, it might become, it might come faster. It might be better than this person who's selling it cheaper. And then they start to get skeptical and be like, huh, what, why are they selling it for $5 cheaper than this person is? You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, that so makes sense. That's one reason why I don't give a shit about competitive pricing. Uh, and I, and I care all about competitive listing. I care more about making sure my item specifics uh, section of my listing beats theirs, meaning I'm filling in more information about the item than the competitor is for multiple, and that helps in multiple ways. One, less less customer service questions, less bullshit questions. If you don't put the width and the height of your, of your, of your uh, nightstand, someone's gonna, someone's gonna hit you up and be like, yo bro, what's the, like, what's the weight, the, the width and the height of this fucking nightstand? If you were to put that shit in there, they wouldn't ever ask. And there would be one less question for you to answer. Two, on top of that, it's going to help you in the search results. What if someone types in, so let's say the nightstand is 24 inches high. Like what if they say type in, and this is crazy, but like, dude, it happens. So like it mm-hmm. does happen. If they type in 24 inch nightstand or 25 inch nightstand, yours are going to come up because you actually put in dimensions. Like you, you put in dimensions that are relevant to the search, to the search, uh, to the search phrase, which then eBay is going to pull yours up. And then you're going to get, you're going to pull pop up for that search term and, or that search phrase. And then that other competitor that you, that you snipe that listing from probably won't because he was lazy and he didn't put the fucking specifics in there. So that's why I give, that's why I care way more about like the item specifics and filling out the, filling out all of the, all of the listing information on the listing a lot more than the competitor. Um, another thing I want to, I want to go into really quick because this can, this can, this is going to answer a question that consumers or just people in general may have if they're going to start this, which is, do I, do I touch the listing title, right? Do I touch the title of the listing? And the answer is no, I have not. I have ne- first off, you shouldn't. Second off, I have never, ever edited a title, um, ever. Why? Because if I'm sniping from a seller, okay, and the item is already performing very well, I, why am I going to touch the title? It's already performing really well in the search algorithm on eBay and it's selling with that title. Now, I, eBay gives you an 80 character limit. So if they're not using all 80 characters, fuck yeah, of course, add some, some, some adjectives of the item that you're selling. Of course, if, if they, if they're selling a nightstand and they don't have black in the damn title, put black in the title and it's a black nightstand, like you're going to pop up for more search results. Like that's simple. But when it comes to like the, the competitor that you're sniping the item from already having the full title like used and optimized, don't touch it because it's already performing well. You know that all those keywords that they're using are, are good keywords that are performing in the search algorithm. So that's another thing I wanted to touch on really quick too is, yeah, do not touch the title of the, the item or the listing of the uh, list of, that you're sniping from the competitor because they already did that work for you. You're just creating more work for yourself and more time that you're wasting, you know? 
Yeah, that goes with any selling on eBay, especially because you know the item's selling under that title. You don't want to touch the title. So yeah. that just goes for anything, not even specific to dropshipping. Correct. I agree a thousand percent on that, bro. So what happens, because um, I'd, I'd assume sometimes the item doesn't meet your, or let's say it does meet your criteria at first, um, but mm -hmm. as you start selling it, uh, it's not performing as well. Like how, how do you gauge the items that don't sell well on your store? That's very, yeah, that's a very good question. So this goes into the pruning strategy that I, I just made a video on um, okay. and I'll explain the pruning strategy. It's very, very simple. So it, it used to be, it used to be a little more in depth, but I made it so simple and strict and it's cutthroat, but it will help you um, flow through items faster on your store. It'll keep a higher sell through rate, which helps you as an eBay seller and eBay's eyes. Mm -hmm. And that strategy is very simple, right? If you list that item on a Monday, or I'm sorry, we'll, we'll just go on a Friday, right? If you list that item on a Friday and you wait a week and then next Friday rolls around and you go and review all the items, say you put up 10 items and none of them sell, then or in those 10 items you listed on, let's say only two of them sell then you delete eight of the items that didn't sell because i, I to me i want to flow through items faster now that wasn't like bro that wasn't always the case like i didn't always do that i learned that from a seller who does eighty thousand dollars a month on ebay that's why i'm like i'm taking that strategy and i'm gonna fucking implement it because it, if he's making 80k and he's flowing through items like that i'm gonna definitely do the same thing but um the old strategy used to be I would wait 15 days after I listed the item. I would go into my eBay inventory and I would filter it for all the, I would filter the items down by longest listed to just listed. Anything that was listed uh, for 15 days that was on the store and it had over 30 views or one watcher, I would keep it. If it had one watcher or more and 10 views, I would keep it still because someone's obviously paying attention to that item. Okay. Now, the next process is that okay those so we get rid of the items in the 15-day mark that we need to we keep the ones that we that we wanted to keep because of the criteria they either had watchers under 30 under 30 views or they had 30 views and some watchers or just 30 views plus um so then i, I would keep those items in the store and then i'd wait another 15 days so now they've been in my store for a month if they're not getting purchased at the end of the month bro like you gotta you gotta get rid of them you gotta get rid of them um I would only do, I would only not get rid of them in situations where like they had like multiple watchers and, and I have a feeling that I can then check the competition to maybe see how I can tweak the listing to make a sale. Right. Because people are watching the item. That means something, your, your shit, something's going right. So like, let's figure out how we can actually get that item to sell. So that leads me into this next topic, right. Which goes right along with the strategy of pruning, um, in this sense. If you're getting watchers on your, I actually just answered this on DM, and DMs on Instagram too, so this is huge. Um, when you have items on eBay that you're listing and they get watchers, right? Say you listed it for 15, say you listed it after, and then after a week when you go back every, I might have my virtual assistants go in the store every Friday and prune the store. So for instance, say the item didn't sell, but it's got five watchers, bro. Like I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go and I'm going to take the title that I use and I'm going to search it into eBay and then I'm going to look at all my competition. And I'm going to see what, what uh, product images they're using, how their title is different, how is their listing different than mine. And then I'm going to make the, I'm going to make the changes to my listing. So that way you can have a higher potential to make sales. That that's what you want to do with items that have watchers. You don't want to do that with every item because it's a waste of fucking time for one. And two, it's unpromising. You don't know if the items with no watchers are even going to get a watcher or, you know, it's, it's, 
it's not having any activity. But when the items have watchers, that's what you would want to do in that sense and how you can investigate the item a little more and how you can investigate competition and see how you can um, like counter your competition and what the competition is doing to make sales that you aren't, but you're still getting watchers. Does that make sense too? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And again, it doesn't really just pertain to drop shipping in that case. If you have an item that you're confident that would sell and you're not selling, you could use that strategy to try and get a sale just on any regular item. It doesn't have to be necessarily drop shipping. I agree. Again, Again, I agree. These are a lot of strat- a lot of this stuff that we're talking about here. Everybody who's listening is stuff that you can apply to your business, whether it's dropshipping or not. Tyler's 100% correct. It's just a matter of t- tweaking and doing it a little bit differently so that it can actually be executed on in your business model. Yeah. So I kind of just have a couple more questions. Um, one question that I have, like a big question, I, I assume other people his, is what even are some of the items that you're selling? Like, what do you sell? <sighs> Anything, bro. Anything that meets my criteria. Um, I can't, I'm not going to give you guys all my items that I sell oh, yeah. just because I'm actually, I'm actually selling on multiple platforms right now. But, um, shoot, dude, you can do a lot of things. Like you can do grills, you can do, um, Halloween, a lot of decorate, dude. Okay. Mm-hmm. Seasonal items guys are huge. So like, and there's a season every damn year, like all year round, there's Easter, there's uh Memorial day, there's labor day, there's Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving, like, dude, there's so many holidays that you can sell decor on and um, home and kitchen items in general. Those are all year round items, any item tools, dude. Oh my God. Tools guys. That is an all year around item for everybody in the U S why everybody's using tools. They could be building outside. They could be building inside. It doesn't matter where they're building. They're going to need the damn tool to build it. Um, now, some items that may seem out of context to sell in the season for me, for instance, for me, right? I live in Indiana. You live in California. All year round, you could sell lawnmowers or, or leaf blowers, but you're going to not get as many sales as you would during the summer because it's only going to, ha- now you're only going to hit a market that lives in, in areas where, you know, it's summer all year round. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? But, but those are, seasonal items are always good to hop on. And some people would disagree because you're only making money on seasons. But again, like you can keep those items in your store or you can take them out when the season's over, save them in a spreadsheet and then re-upload them when the time comes. Um, But in general, like if you're looking for all around, all year round items to sell, I would say do tools and home items, tools and home decor and like just uh, home improvement or things like that. Those items will sell all year round for you guys. Like that's where I would start if I was actually going to do drop shipping again from the beginning, I would go to. I would go to those two sections, tools and and home and kitchen. They're huge. Yeah, that seems great. Definitely um, look into those. One last Mm -hmm. question. It's kind of just a basic question. Like what are some of the questions that you get asked like on a daily basis? Hmm. Okay. Um, How do I like the main question is like, how do I start doing this? Mm. Um, How do do I even get started? Uh, It's very simple, man. Uh, For that answer is just, get tech like do the okay one thing that one thing that like a lot of these questions that's a very dude that's actually a very good fucking question because this is gonna this is gonna pertain to everybody um no matter what question you ask me or yourself like talking about you if they ask you questions Mm -hmm. be resourceful be be i can't stress that enough be resourceful because the first thing you're going to need to do to get started and even compete at the at uh, in in drop shipping is you need to be tax exempt okay and like i said earlier that 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 is a very a variable in the business that is different 
for everybody because I don't live in California. I don't live in Wyoming. I don't live in Florida. So like the, the way that you go about executing and getting a, and getting a tax exempt form or just creating a business entity in your state, that difference, that's a difference that, or there is a difference in every process for every state and where the, or the, like, I could just easily say, go to a .gov website. Yeah. But like, it's di like every DACA website different for each mm -hmm. state. Like I don't know what they are, um, but be resourceful because that is, it, once you get good at being resourceful and learning how to do things on your own, that is huge. That is something that you will be able to, again, translate and, and utilize in every business, everything you do in general. Um, so the main question like, yeah, is how do I start doing this? And I just want to make it very clear that tax exempt is, is like, I, when I was going to open up eBay dropshipping mentorship, I, I was making it a requirement that you needed to be tax exempt and you had to do it without my help because it shows me that you're actually being resourceful and you actually will go through some information on the internet and learn how to do it. Um, other than that, I'm think, trying to think of any other questions that I, I get on a daily basis. Um, what is my, my profit? A lot of them are, you've asked how, what is the profit margin? What, what suppliers do I use? That's huge. What items do I sell? Um, that's a lot from people, especially people like that are like in my, like they graduated with me and like, they see what I'm doing now. They're mm -hmm. like, dude, what do you sell, bro? Like, dude, anything, bro, anything that meets my criteria and it's selling four times a month. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I would never imagine half the stuff that I would sell. I just sell it because it meets my, meets my criteria and I can make money on it. Um, I'm trying to Yo, think I of think some other that answers. I think that answers it perfectly. Cause at the yeah. end of the day, neither you or I can even help them out if they don't do anything. So at the end of the day, you've got to actually go do work and get stuff done yourself. Um, neither of us can actually help you. We can guide you, but we can't actually do the work for you. Um, and I think that's going to wrap up the episode. You absolutely killed yeah. it. That was an awesome Thank you, episode. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on the channel. And, and if, you guys are, if you guys have any other questions, reach out to Tyler or myself, uh, and I'll be willing to answer anything. And I know Tyler will too, or he, mm -hmm. can, he can direct you to me if you have any questions. But Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. It feels dope to be back on this on this podcast again. And I'm just I just want to say too, really quick that I'm very happy that I, that you continue to do this um, because it's now growing. And I I'm just I'm happy to see that because you're consistent as hell and it's gonna pay off. And I'm just I'm super happy for you, dude. You're getting a lot of information and you're helping a lot of people out. So this is really dope. And just want to say thank you again for having me on the podcast and allowing me to kind of spew my knowledge and rant a little bit and. Uh, just kind of like let everybody know how to do what you're asking. So yeah, thank you so much, man. Well, thank you. If you want to go ahead and plug your Instagram or whatever. Yeah, the Instagram is Andrew Georgie, no spaces, no cap, no caps. It's just A-N-D-R-E-W-G-I-O-R-G-I. -E -E and if you search that on YouTube as well, if you can just type in youtube.com forward slash Andrew Georgie, spelled the same, no spaces, no nothing. Um, you'll find me on YouTube. You'll find me on, on Instagram. Twitter is the same thing, Andrew Georgie with, an extra I at the end of my name. Um, and yeah, I, that's, that's where you, that's where you guys can find me. I have a podcast as well, but if you go to one of those three platforms, you're going to be able to get my podcast link. So I won't even have to drop that in there, but yeah, that's where you guys can find me. And that's where you guys can hit me up in the DMS, ask me any questions you'd like, and we can go from there. Well, perfect. Yeah. And he's got a bunch of great drop shipping videos on his YouTube channel. So if it is something you're interested in, definitely give those a watch. And this has been episode number 36 of the Flipping It Reselling podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining. Hope you enjoyed and keep on flipping.